welcome to the Unstuck Your Life podcast. I'm your host and life coach, Pamela Hughes. Every week, we're going to start to wiggle loose in area of your life that has got you stuck. Oh, there are so many areas of your life where you can get stuck. And one of the biggest places I feel we can get stuck is when we're in transition, when our lives go from what we once knew to something that's quite unfamiliar for us. And that can happen when you change jobs, that can happen when you change homes or you move cities. That happens when we lose loved ones. It happens so often in our lives. And it's a period of transition where we can get stuck. And so often we can get stuck in the past. Today, I am bringing on a friend of mine, Allie Hill. She is an empty nest life coach. And she's talking about the transition of having kids out of the home and being there by yourself. And that is one place where we can really get stuck in the past because we're so unfamiliar with what that future holds. So I'd like to welcome Allie Hill to the Unstuck Your Life podcast. Hi, Allie. Hi, Pamela. So nice to be here. Thank you. Well, you know, this is the time of year where there's so much transition and so much change that's happening. And what's fascinating to me is that we prepare our children for back to school right? Whether it be elementary or middle or high school, you know, where you're getting the list of supplies that the teacher needs and the backpack and all those things, or it's college and it's the dorm room with the posters and the bedding and all the things we prepare our kids, but we as parents need some preparation as well. So when it comes to the empty nester, what can some families and particularly women, because I think women really struggle with this, how can they prepare themselves for this inevitable change in their home? That's such a great question, Pamela, because I agree with you entirely that we're all, we're so focused on the kids that we don't even think about, okay, it would be really wise to have some preparation for myself. So I advise my clients, and this is the advice that I'd wish I'd had five years ago when my daughter was going to college, start just thinking about turning the focus gently to yourself. You've you've been focused outside, you know, yourself for so long on the family, on all the things, maybe even on your community. Time to start gently turning, even if it's 75%, you know, a little bit more towards yourself and what you like, what sounds good. It's the period of uncertainty that gets us so off balance. You know, the girlfriends that I have who maybe they're not empty nesters. They've sent that first kid to college. And that feels super weird because they're not there doing the routine that they're accustomed to. You know, they're not having dinner together every night. They're not hanging out on the weekends. But even as an empty nester, I think women struggle sometimes to find that focus, to shift on themselves because we have been focusing on someone else for so long. So do you run into situations with women where they're like, okay, I hear you. I should focus on myself, but I don't know how to do that. Yes, I would say that that's 90% of my clients and friends, family, and definitely it was myself because we're just so used to it. It's like we're pre-programmed to be givers and doing all the things for others. So I just say, listen, be gentle with yourself, take it easy, 
take one little step, even if it's as simple as starting a morning routine, something where your routine used to be so constructed around the family and your kids' activities and getting them off to school and all of that. Now it's time to figure out what's going to wake, you know, what's your new reason for getting up in the morning and make that simple. I always suggest pick three things, um, move your body, journal, make your bed, meditation, whatever speaks to you, but do those three things consistently for a few weeks, build up that new muscle. I love how you talked about small steps because I think so often we think, all right, I've got to dive in. I've got to fix this. I've got to do all the things. But even if, if, you know, in that morning routine, you just meditate or you, I say just journal, but like if you pick one thing and you take that small step and then build upon it, you'll see the capability that you have to, to figure it out. And like you strengthen that muscle, but so often we feel like we've got to fix it all and figure it out all right now. But having that permission to slow down and just take your time. And as you said, have compassion for yourself, I'm sure really has a huge impact on your clients. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I think that we show as moms, as women, we show everybody else a lot of compassion. We give everybody else a lot of grace, but when it comes to ourselves, it's like it's there's a missing piece. So if we can turn that to ourselves and say, listen, it took us 18 years. I'm just giving the college example, 18 years to get in this place, this position. It's not, we're not going to get out of it and transition overnight. So small, consistent steps daily will move the needle. I'm talking with Allie Hill here. She is an empty nest life coach. And we're talking about that transition that can be really difficult for families to go from, okay, you know what? There's this big buzz and a lot of noise in the house. So it becoming quite quiet quickly. And what do I do to fill all of that space? So I'm curious, Allie, what is... I say one, but I'm sure that there are several. Are there like patterns that are like really typical, common challenges that you can point out for my audience that if they're experiencing it, you're like, yeah, that's normal. There's nothing wrong with you. This is kind of part of the process to kind of maybe take that edge off and that judgment that we all seem to have off. Absolutely. I think that you know, first of all, every person's journey is different. So know that going in, know that your best friend and you are, you, you think you're going to be on the same journey together, but you're not. So just acceptance that just as each child is different, your experience with even each child, maybe leaving the nest or wherever you are in this transition is going to be different. So there's an acceptance part. Um, there's an allowing part where whatever you're feeling it coming in, not having the judgment of I should be fine. I was first with the, I was great with the first child or my best friend is doing great. Allowing your own experience, your own feelings, letting them come through. I, you know, my clients tell me usually it's a roller coaster of emotions of pride and happiness and sadness and grieving and pride and it just kind of goes like that so allowing all that and really I think um, not having expectations for it to be a certain way so again that's going back to the acceptance and the allowing 
what I'm hearing you say is it's like, there's no right or wrong way. That's exactly right. We, we get caught up in this, well, they're doing this, or this is what's happened with the first child and that comparison and that judgment that can be very devastating when we tell ourselves that story, because it's, it's, it's a painful story. And then you're already going through a situation that kind of hurts your heart. So it kind of comes back to that compassion for what it is that you're going through and just the space to feel what it is that you're feeling. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that if we could keep compassion in our back pocket, you know, not even in the transition time, but all the way through our parenting journey, compassion for our kids. You know, I think about um, drop off and you're, you're trying to be so compassionate for your kid and you know that they're going through this time and you're not, you're not turning around and giving it to yourself and saying, wow, I haven't done this before. I don't know. This is very uncertain. And if you are talking to your yourself the same way you would to a best friend or your child, I think that it would, you know, help you in this place a lot more, a lot more love, grace, and compassion for yourself. You know, that's a, a tip and a tool that I think people can really take with them. And whether it be this transition or any other, but you know, the, the thoughts that I think a lot of moms have, it's like, you know, I shouldn't be this sad. Um, it shouldn't be this hard. Uh, what's wrong with me. I'm crying all the time. Like, you know, my husband's fine. Why aren't I like those types of things? If, could you imagine saying that to your kid that you just dropped off? Well, Susie's fine. Why aren't you, you shouldn't be so sad. Like suck it up, buttercup, let's go. We would never talk to our kids like that, but we talk to ourselves like that. So when you hear that voice that just starts like chattering that negativity towards yourself, just imagine saying that to your child. And that can give you a lot of compassion for what it is that you're going through and help kind of like turn the volume down on that voice. Right. I I think that's such a good point, Pamela. And I tell my clients, listen, you can just as you mentioned, you can turn the station. You know, if you do have that negative chatter, this is your brain. It's trying to keep you safe. It's giving you all these messages, but just you can still turn the channel, find that uplifting channel, find the one that that would be speaking with your best friend or your child that says, Hey, this is hard. I don't really know what we're doing right now. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take it one step at a time. I, I know I'm capable. Look at what I just did. We mm-hmm. just launched a child or two or three or whatever it is. I know I'm capable and, and fall back on your skill set that you know that you have. You have this huge skill set of raising these kids. Those skills are going to come really in handy in this next phase of your life of figuring things out. I'm curious as to how you became like an empty nest life coach. That's not just something that someone's like, Hey, this sounds like a great idea. It sounds like there's a story behind that. There definitely is a story, Pamela. I dropped, I have a one child, I should say. So I put all my eggs in that one basket and she was my pride and joy and just everything. I was the mom who signed up for everything. We were more like conjoined twins. Um, wouldn't really recommend it, you know, this, this way of parenting, but that's how it went. And, but I loved spending every minute with her and in any way that I could be in those years. Um, 
But when I dropped her off, oh boy, I I'm live in Colorado and I left my heart and soul in Arizona with in when I dropped her off for college. So when I came back, I really realized I do not know what I'm doing. I left my, not just my heart, but my identity, my purpose. And I knew I needed to figure it out. So that was back in 2017. I started out with the Martha Beck um, coaching program, which was phenomenal. And what I realized now, I didn't realize it at the time, what it really gave me was structure. It gave me something to look forward to in terms of calls and purpose and learning and just a whole way of structuring my day, which was phenomenal. I didn't really use it for coaching, but once I found the life coach school and kind of honed my niche into, I guess I first started with high school kids. It was all of my daughter's friends and then my daughter's friends, moms, and then just moms in general. And when I realized, wow, what, what really makes the most sense to me is helping the moms, like I'm writing a book right now for emptiness moms. So I want to be that resource that I wish I'd had for five, five years ago. And that's the goal. That's, that's how I became an emptiness, emptiness life coach. Well, I mean, like in that you talked about having a purpose, like Mm -hmm. having something to do and having that structure. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure a lot of the women that, that you coach don't know what their purpose is. Right. So how do like, how do you go about finding it? Like that's the, like the the million dollar question, right? It is. And it's, so I take it back from, you know, I talk about roadmap in my coaching program and I say, listen, listen, we're not, we're not trying to get you all the way over here. And often you don't, if, if, if this is the destination is your purpose, let's just start where you are now. And if you know, you are in Cherry Hills, you know, Colorado, Let's just start there. Let's start figuring out what makes you happy, what lights you up. So often everybody, every mom I know, if I say, you know, what makes you happy? My kids, which is great, but okay. And and then there's that. What else makes you happy? I don't know. Um, kind of like to garden. Um, sometimes, you know, I used to like to write. So it's really a rediscovering process. What did you like before you had children? What kind of dreams and aspirations and desires, hobbies did you put on the shelf because you didn't have time, because you didn't have the bandwidth for that focus? So it's really a rediscovering you process. I wonder how often you ask a mom, what makes you happy? They say they're kids. All right, great. We're going to like put that over here for a moment. Now let's look at you. What makes you happy? And when they sit with it and they don't know, there can be a lot of self-judgment at that point when, because that's happened with a lot of my clients where they're like, I'm like, okay, no, what makes you happy? And then they're like, I don't know what makes me happy. What's wrong with me? I want to be happy, but I don't even know what makes me happy. And that, that's all part of the transition and the change that you're going through, but to make some space to allow yourself to figure that out. And I think the questions that you asked, you know, 
what did you enjoy doing, you know, before you had kids? What was that project or that hobby that you got joy from, but you put on the back burner because, you know, you enjoyed raising your kids and being a mom, but rediscovering that. But I just want to offer like for my listeners, it's okay not to know what makes you happy. You're not alone. That is super common. So stop judging yourself for it and just get curious about it. 100% Pamela. I mean, you're, you're right that clients often, uh, friends, family, and myself included, all start with either. That when you ask that question, it's, I will get a wide range of emotions. I get anger. I get anger coming back. Like what's wrong with me? I also get the lump in the throat. What's wrong with me? And I would say that there are about 95% of my clients have no idea what makes them happy, have no idea what their purpose is. And that's a, that's the great news because not knowing means, okay, everything's on the table. It could be anything. So let's just start small. And we, we reframe it like that. This isn't a problem. This is a mystery and exciting discovery phase. And I think it's best to approach it that way. You know, when, when it comes to empty nesters, I'm not one. I have an only child as well. And when, you know, you talk about, you know, being very invested, I, I, that resonated with me because I'm like, yeah, you know, she, she's my buddy. Um, so I, I haven't been in this situation. I've had girlfriends who've been in this situation of either, you know, kids going off to college or being an empty nester. And like, I have some thoughts about what that looks like. And I'm sure you have experienced like some myths, right? Some common thoughts about what it means to be an empty nester. And you want to do a little myth busting here? Like what what are some of the common misconceptions about it? Sure. I think that um, the, the pendulum swings both way, either it's going to be horrible or it's going to be the greatest thing ever. And I think the truth is somewhere in the middle, or it can be both, but some of the myths are, okay, my children leave the nest, Um, I'm going to just be despondent. I will absolutely never get off the, out of my bed again. It doesn't have to be terrible. So empty nesting isn't a guaranteed prison sentence and, you know, depression situation. There are ways to figure out what you want to do next. Um, the uncertainty doesn't have to be terrible. There are those types of things. I also want to say, I had one friend who said, my husband expects that we're going to be having sex on the, you know, everywhere all the time. Like all of a sudden the romance is, you know, is ignited and that's fantastic, but that's also not a guarantee. There were a lot of times when you look at your partner, your spouse and are like, hi, how are you? Like, I haven't really focused on you in a while. So those were kind of the opposite extremes of the, of the myths, I would say. I'd say the truth lies somewhere in between where there's a real opportunity for connection with your partner, your spouse, primarily a real opportunity for connection with yourself. And I think it's only fair to say that, yes, there will be a period of transition that can often feel like grieving, um, but it doesn't, you don't have to get stuck in that phase if you're willing to try new things, um, look outside yourself and reconnect, 
you know, definitely ask for help if you need it. Those, those kinds of things. I think the asking for help is an interesting point to address because I think, and I say, I think, because I haven't experienced it. So you tell me that this transition of, you know, either launching a kid into college or becoming an empty nester can feel very alone. Yes. Yeah. I think that even if you have a best friend and you're, you're taking your kids off to college together and drop them off, you're still going to have a different experience because maybe that's your only, and maybe she's got two kids still at home. You think that your experience is going to be universal. And, and in some ways there are, there are 20 million kids in college right now. So that's, you're in good company. However, your experience is your own. And sometimes your spouse who maybe gets up and goes to work, maybe their day is not affected like yours is. You don't have the drop-off, you don't have the activities, you don't have the homework, all of that. So it is your own unique journey. And it is really important that if you're struggling to get you know, some help or some understanding, and if it's not your spouse or your best friend, there are lots of communities I have a wonderful community. There are lots of resources. You, you most importantly know you don't have to go it alone. I think what you also just said there, where your spouse's journey can be different than yours. You know, we talked about comparison and it can be how, you know, your best friend's handling it versus the way you're handling it or how your sister handled it versus how you handled it. And we can compare outside of our homes But I would venture to say, yeah, that there's a lot of comparison within the home. Like I, I have a girlfriend who, when she dropped her, her child off at college, like cried the entire drive home. And the husband was just like, oh my gosh, like, you know, seriously, you're going to see him in like three weeks. What's the problem here? And there can be judgment both ways on that. So just to be aware of the fact that you two are still different people, right? You, you have a marriage that, you know, that's a, that's a whole, but you're two halves of that whole and you're different, which means you're going to have different experiences and you have different histories, even within the house with the kids. So your experience when they leave is going to be different as well. Definitely. I mean, I know I had that with my husband. Most of my clients experience that, you know, if they have a, a spouse partner in the house You just are going to go about it differently. I would just say to your listeners, if you cry the whole way home, you're in great company. (laughs) I would say 90% of my clients and friends and family, we all cried on the way home. And when you look at over there at your spouse, who's completely dry eyed and you think either what's wrong with him or what's wrong with me, it's really not helpful because first of all, they compartmentalize generally. And, you know, it's not that they're sad. It's just that they are saying a different script in their head. They are super happy that their child is launched and they're, they know that they're capable and they're also thinking, I've got to hold it together for this one. (laughs) I've really got to, like, someone's got to, you know, calm, calm minds need to prevail. Um, Yeah. Not, not helpful to compare, but, but also if you're looking to your spouse um, or partner to hold you up, maybe look elsewhere. You know, it's not always the best 
person to go to because they're having their own experience and that's just fine. Yeah. You know, this, this time of year, August is, is a good time to, to discuss this because so many kids are, are going to college and so many families are experiencing this for the first time. You know, I live in Arizona, just outside of Phoenix, you know, we've got ASU, which is one of the largest universities in the country. I'm a proud graduate of ASU. That's what brought me out to Arizona state. And, and I have had the pleasure of, of teaching at ASU as well, but it's one of those things where we have all of this transition and all of these new things for both the family as well, like for both the, the child, as well as the family and families are going through a lot of lasts and firsts as a senior, you know, it's the last football game. It's the last high school dance. It's the last, um, band concert. It's the last high school play. It's the last PTO meeting, the last orchestra, whatever it may be. Uh, and, and then it becomes, well, it's the first Thanksgiving that they may not be home or the first birthday they're not home. And so right now in August, it's important to have this discussion, but as we move through the year of firsts, what advice do you have for, for parents at that point? I think you bring up a really great point. If, um, I think if your listeners do have seniors, I think it's important to not put so much pressure on the lasts. Yes, they are the last, but what's more important is just being present for those moments and not, not going in them. I remember with my daughter with prom and things like that, and everything seems so overblown, so, so huge and momentous, and that's a lot of pressure. So if you can kind of take that pressure cooker off and make it more about um, enjoying that time and being present for showing up, and same thing for the, the first, the, I just would like to take first and last out of the vocabulary and just kind of, they are what they are. This is the Thanksgiving. This is Thanksgiving 2022, 23, you know, and this is how it's going to be. And whoever shows up, we're going to do our traditions, how we do them. Maybe we're going to be going to the um, college campus or the college town of our child because they only have a day or two. The best thing I can say is be flexible, be present, and and really accept what is because turning back and looking back and wishing it was the way it used to be, again, not helpful. That resistance, that friction really can trip you up and rob you of the beautiful present moment of whatever will unfold. Yes, exactly. I think that's very well said. Ali, you've given us so much great information, and I'm sure that there are people that are going to want to know more about you or how to get in touch with you and potentially work with you. Where can those folks go to find more information? Great. Thank you, Pamela. I mean, everything about me is Ali Hill Coaching. So you can find me on Instagram or Facebook or my website is Ali Hill Coaching. We have a great um monthly happiness membership that they can join. They can pop in and look at it and see if it's right for them. I have one-on-one coaching. I have a Your Turn program. Mostly I want to just offer, you know, your listeners just the resources. There are a ton of resources on my website so you don't have to go it alone. 
Love it. Well, I think that you've given them a safe place to go when they've decided they, they need some help and some support in this transition in life. So thank you so much for popping on the podcast. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And folks, I will have all that information um, from Allie in the show notes. So you can check that out there. Check out her website, um, the book that will be coming out in the future, which I will be looking forward to and, and learn more about her. So whether it is the transition for college or you sent the last kid to kindergarten and the house is a little quiet, wherever you are with that, you know what? She's got a lot of great resources for you. So check it out. All right, folks. All right. So that's what we have for you this week on Unstuck Your Life. And uh, I'll see you next. Bye. Listen, if you're still feeling a little stuck and need a little help right now, wiggling loose, I got you. I put together a guide, a free guide to help you feel better right now. These are simple strategies that you can start today to feel better faster. Just go to fourwaystofeelbetter.com. That's the number four, waystofeelbetter.com. I tell you, these are going to help you slow down, take a breath, gain some perspective and control of what's happening in your life right now. And it's free because we could all use a little help and I'm here to help. Grab it by going to fourwaystofeelbetter.com. Again, that's the number four, waystofeelbetter.com. And start wiggling loose.